Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jordan Canellas. Jordan, we come out of a weekend where certainly weather played a big part, some pretty heavy grounds around the Northern Football Netball League. Interesting results across the three senior men's competitions. We've got a pretty congested mid part of the ladder in the top flight. The top four perhaps just getting some breathing space in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 and in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Certainly a break away from the top three to the rest, but round nine in the top two divisions, round 10 in third division. What did you see as the key, I guess, areas out of the weekend that was? Thanks for having me again, Samuel. Uh, Look, they're, they're probably... Just looking from the weekend, I don't think there was one absolute standout leading story from from the weekend of football, but there was certainly uh, a lot of uh, a lot of little subplots and and little stories that emerged that just keep the the season rolling on, which is probably uh, what you would expect from this very midpoint of the season. There's not going to be any explosive stories like you would get at the very start of the year or at the very end of the home and away season before finals. Right now, it's just a lot of the grind, the grinding away in these winter months, and it certainly was. A very wintry day on the uh, on the weekend, just gone. Um, if we sort of work down, I think probably uh, one of the major stories I think probably come from well, there's one in Division Two in particular, Watsonia's win over Fitzroy Stars, and and the loss to Fitzroy, um, maybe just giving the the teams like Whittlesey and Thomastown, who are at the bottom half of the top four in Division Two, just that extra bit of breathing space now that the Stars have lost because they were closing in Fitzroy, but now there's there's a, a little gap there that just maintains from uh, from last week. Um, uh, Heidelberg West, I think we'll talk about them because they've been a, a bit of a disappointment in the last month. But for me, I'm looking at Division 1 uh, again, which is sort of, you know, low-hanging fruit, I guess. But but Northcote Park, they are the most out-of-form team at the moment right now in, in Divi 1. They're still sitting in the top five, but they've been smashed the last five weeks in a row. Um, and then on top of that, conversely, you've got... McLeod who are coming, you've got West Preston Lakeside who are coming, and if results go the right way this upcoming weekend, uh, most likely one of those two teams, um, depending on results, will be in the top five by uh, this time next week. Amazing. I know I'm pretty certain that three weeks ago we'd written off West Preston Lakeside. Wouldn't wouldn't have been alone in doing that. All of a sudden, they've won three games. Some interesting results in the mid part of the ladder, particularly in the, the previous two weeks, mean that they're right back in the hunt and, and playing as, as good a footy as, as just about any side in the competition. So, as you say, they and McLeod are bearing down. Interesting, you, you mentioned the grind of the mid-season. We've obviously gone out of the, the first half of the year where generally you get the better weather, you have the breaks because of Easter, um, you also have representative weekend and then Queen's birthday. And then you get to this back half of the year and you have a long stretch in the top flight and in second division. You've got 10 consecutive home and away games into finals. A bit different in second division. You do have the bye as part of the fixture, of course, with nine teams playing and, and one side having a week off each week. But it's that grind. And you don't win the premiership at this time of the year, but you certainly put yourself in a position to be able to win one and those sides that can you know scrounge out a win um you know read an article that was um written by leader news uh, earlier today we're recording this on a, on a monday afternoon but um and andrew sturgis was interviewed the coach of bandura they've had a one point win over lower plenty and you know makes the point that you know when you have conditions as they had at, at montmorency park on the weekend very heavy doesn't matter who's got the better list. It, it is that grind and the talent can be thrown away. It just becomes a slog. And 
you know, it's their crucial results. That's a one-point win for Bandura. On mm. paper, we may have thought they'd win by more, but they get a vital win. And I think, um, I mean, that's a big result in the context of this season, but it's indicative of, I guess, every home and away season. You just get to this point in the year, injuries tend to stack up. It's getting colder. Um, you do have players who go overseas looking for, for yeah. better weather as well and miss a, a key game here or there as well. But how important is it at this time? It's just keep ba- keep banking those wins. And, and the good sides tend to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, you're looking at, at um, you know, some of the results from around the weekend and, um, you know, some close results, some some interesting upsets. And I think you're, you're right. I mean, you look at, say, a side like the Fitzroy Stars, a loss at this time of the year yeah. could really have a massive impact when we get to round 18 and we're determining the top four. Yeah, I mean, you don't really think too much of this part of the season because it's not the flashiest part of the season. Everyone's got that that sort of new season um, verve, I guess, in the front half in the, in the first month or so. And then obviously at the back end of the season when, when there are final spots on the line and everyone's battling for position. But, but the results are, are obviously... They're as crucial as every other game of the season, but they're important now because this is sort of where you build your metal a little bit, where you build your... Your, uh, I suppose, your, your, your chemistry and, um, and and the team unity. Because if you get wins in these crunch months, when when the nights get you know, they start earlier and it's dark by the time you know uh, the uh, the full time siren sounds at a four thirty on a Saturday, um, those are the wins that sort of mean a lot. And if you don't get them, then you start to tail back a little bit. And probably a good example of that at the moment is a team that I'm I really fancy, but they haven't had the results in the last three weeks, and that's Thomastown. Um, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were right in touching distance of, uh, of Banyul on the top. Um, but they've lost their last three games against every other team in the top four. And, uh, and those, as a result of that, they're now three games behind top spot and, uh, and definitely are no longer the, uh, the number two seed. And, and potentially a couple of weeks ago, especially around the time of that, uh, that uh, fascinating and, and remarkable one point or was it one point? No, it was uh, two points against Banyul or something. Four points Four at the points, final margin, yeah. but obviously the kick on the siren. Yeah, um, at that uh, at that time, Thomastown were almost about to overtake Banyul as number one on the ladder, but now they're uh, third and, and three games behind. So that's sort of what we mean with this mid-season grind. It's just so important to, to, to get these wins under your belt so you've got a good run into the back half. But, and we'll talk about this in a second, Thomastown have a great chance to try and redeem themselves in the next sort of five weeks. Absolutely. Uh, the guests on this week's program will include Greensborough coach Mick Harford. His side humming along at the moment. Mm-hmm. Nine and zero, massive percentage, and looking the goods in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, albeit plenty of footy to still be played in 2019. We'll also be joined by the coach of the Whittlesea Football Club in Blair Harvey. Of course, the side that defeated Thomastown at the weekend, a crucial win for them. They looked vulnerable in the four going into the round. They come out of it a game in percentage clear in fourth spot. So results going the way of the Eagles. Before we go into our individual um, divisions in, in the men's competitions, just some other points out of the weekend. I mentioned last weekend about the almighty VU Western Spurs across the three senior women's competitions, kept their opponents scoreless across three games. Uh, all those played at, at their home ground, Henry Turner Reserve. Well, all three sides were again at home this weekend. And they combined for 44-29, 293 to 117. So they are stamping their authority on all three of the uh, the women's competitions. Of course, ANZ Division One, um, MC Security Division Two, and, and Move Act Division Three. But um, we 
Yeah, they're, they're looking really good top in both the uh, the top two divisions. Greensboro first in Mervac Division 3, but looking really good. So that's a credit to them. Two weeks to, to do that. And there, there's be a great buzz around that, that club. We'll have a, an article on the, on the website this weekend with their Division 1 coach, Christina Politarco, as well, but going along quite nicely at the moment. You can almost put all three of those sides in Division 1 alone, and they would probably run rampant across other teams. Might, uh, <laughs> especially the second division side, I think going down the track, obviously we have a grading uh, process and whatnot, but um, you'd imagine that there could be could come a time down the track where they potentially have two of their sides in, in the top division. Can that actually happen? Um, it, it may have to if they keep winning uh, <laughs> as they're doing at the moment. The, their uh, second division side in particular, uh, extremely dominant across um, the grading period and, and then also uh, as it currently stands there, on top of the ladder, um, yeah, a clear, clear way first and a very, very healthy percentage uh, since grading uh, finished four weeks ago. Uh, or actually across the, the course of the season, I think they've conceded fewer than you know fifty odd points or something. So they're they're going along along really nicely. But um, obviously, again, plenty of footy to be played. South Morang, I know in second division, they're throwing down the gauntlet as well. They, they're going pretty nicely as well, and challenges will come in in the top flight too. So um, obviously, V Western Spurs, great weekend. Also, a great weekend for Reese Boyden. He booted twelve in Panton Hills, big win over Layla. We said last week that he potentially missed an opportunity to jump. Uh, to the top of the goal-kicking table. Matty Byron had a good week the week prior. Boyden was contained in inverted commas to three goals on the weekend, 12. So he's now gone, 11 clear at the top of the goal-kicking list. Uh, both Josh Williamson and Matt Byron are second on 34, but Boyden with now 45 goals in nine games, 12 goals. It's unfortunate. I mean, Layla battled in that one there, just didn't have a match-up really for him, but... He uh, yeah had his kicking boots on and, and kicked the career best twelve goals. So I think that's certainly worthy of a mention at the top of the program. That's going to be a fascinating forward line to see once uh, finals come around. Reese Boyd and and uh, and Matty Byron the, uh, the the key pillars up there, and Cam Jordan continues to 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 rack up goals as well. Four for him uh, in that game against uh, Laylord on the weekend. Twenty just between gone. the three of them. Yeah, they are they are, they are a potent trio up front, and if you play them. In a final, if uh, Lorimer ends up facing Pantanil in a final or Kilmore do, that's going to be a, a great uh, fascination for anyone watching that game to see how those teams can try and contain the uh, the front three for actually, for the Redbacks. Correct my math there. 22 between the three of them, Even actually. Better. 12, 6 and 4. So we've got a really short ad break. On the other side of this, we'll take a look at Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. You are listening to the NFL Podcast. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Round 9 has concluded in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. It means we're officially halfway through the Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 season. Greensboro, as we said in the intro, they're in a commanding position. Two wins and percentage clear in first place. Nine and zip. Heidelberg is the side that's also looking pretty good so far this year. They're in second spot, six points clear of their closest rival, which is one of their fiercest rivals in, in North Heidelberg. Of course, those two sides met at the weekend. Heidelberg, a really big winner. North Heidelberg, 22 points have accumulated after nine rounds. They're inside the top half of the ladder by two games and percentage. So they're obviously in reasonably well placed. And then you've got Bandura and Northcote Park in fourth and fifth, respectively with the chasing pack really trying to close in on them, led by the likes of McLeod, West Preston Lakeside, and potentially even a side like Hurst Bridge. So, Jordan, round nine saw some 
interesting results. It wasn't that absolute standout that um, one one result that that really makes you. Um, yeah, stand up and take notice. If there was, perhaps it was Heidelberg's big win over North Heidelberg. We expected a close encounter, but Heidelberg romps to victory, 12-10-82 to North Heidelberg, 3-11-29. Elsewhere, Greensboro continued winning, 15-8-98 over Mont, 8 goals, 2-58. McLeod made it three wins from their past five, 17-16-1-18 to Northcote Park, 7-3-45. Of course, McLeod also has a draw amongst the past five means. After starting, Norton 4 have only lost one of their past five. Mm. Hurstbridge ran out of, I guess, fit plays in the end against West Preston Lakeside, albeit a very convincing performance by the Roosters. They won away 11-15-81 to nine goals, 8-62. And the closest game of the round took place at Montmorency Park South, where Lower plenty, 11-10-76, lost to Bandura, 11-11-77. What do we take away from all that? Um, As you said, there probably wasn't an absolute standout result from the weekend, but there's three games in particular that I uh, think, you know, have um, had a great bearing on the shape of of Division 1, and that was McLeod Northcote Park, Lowell Plenty Bandura, and then Heidelberg North Heidelberg. We called the Hurstbridge West Preston Lakeside game as our match of the day, and there was a couple of little uh, storylines from that as well, which um, were important. Um, but uh, look, I think I think I'm really uh, almost uh, astonished by the, the the paths of both McLeod and Northcote Park season so far, and and how they've been almost the complete opposite to each other, and, and then they faced each other on the weekend, and the result just sort of reconfirmed what was what we were already seeing emerging through the first sort of eight or nine weeks. Um, firstly, from McLeod, great score to put on the board, uh, scoring 17-16, 1-18. Anthony Doherty had five goals, the the uh, the current centre-half forward of the of last year's team of the season. Reed Brandt, three goals. Paddy Martin, two goals. So all of their, their major goal scorers got on the board. Lucas Hobbs returned as well. He scored a double. So um, that's fantastic for him to come back and have immediate impact. Uh, albeit, as I said, against a, a very weakened Northcote Park side who do have a lot of players out, but they are the most out-of-form team at the moment in Division 1, and they they have to be the most worried side, I would think, even more so than the teams down the bottom, the very bottom of the ladder, because their form has been horrific. They've been getting absolutely trounced every week for the last five weeks. Um, they're struggling to put a score on the board, and I... I mean, I know they've got personnel about to come back in, Samuel, but they need to turn it around quickly. Yeah, it's amazing. They're fifth. I reckon other than Bandura, the happier side that the Bulls won on the weekend would have been Northcote Park because yep. it had of amazingly, had Lowell Plenty have won, there would have been one win separating fourth through to tenth, which would have made percentage, uh, I guess, brought that right into play. As it stood, obviously, Lowell Plenty gets... Uh, sorry, has a one-point loss. It means that now that Lowell Plenty stays on two wins two wins behind sides like Northcote Park and, and whatnot as well. But if Lower had have won that move to three wins, Northcote's percentage at the moment is absolutely shot. And it's amazing to think yeah. that a side that's fifth at the halfway point we're talking about is being potentially in relegation threat as well. But five straight wins by nine goals or more is going to do that. You talked about personnel potentially coming back in. Um, we've seen Close and Starsovich play together the last two weeks. Obviously, they've been... Um, really well beaten as well. He's not getting entries forward, which is, is one of the key issues. But No goals for Stasevic on the weekend. Yeah, um, but you look at players still to come in. They're star players. I mean, yep. Jordan Perry, Bronick Davies, Lockie Boscarini, um, you know, Jake Mills is going to be back from suspension, uh, I believe, this weekend as well. So they've got some, some key players returning, but um, they they need them because yeah. at the moment they're, they're in a world of hurt with the, the losses that they've had. And... 
you know, had Lowell Plenty have won that, you almost would have said that they're the most vulnerable side in Northcote Park in terms of relegation. Remarkably, though, they get those players in and you start to feel that they've got many winnable games to come and, and potentially they're still well and truly in the finals race, which they have to be given the fact they're in fifth spot. Yeah, I mean, those, those names you mentioned, they are... They're key names, but there's a lot of pressure on them to come in and perform immediately because of because of Northcote Park's situation. So Jordan Perry, outstanding midfielder, one of the best we've got in the NFNL. Bronick Davies, likewise, uh, a lot more older, so he can bring that experience in. And then Lockie Boscarini is an interesting one because he hasn't played much footy this season, just the four games, but all of his games have been spread out across almost every month of, uh, of the year so far, every month of the season. Two games in April, one in May and then one in uh, in June a couple of weeks ago. So he hasn't played much footy. It's been very um, interspersed for Lockie Boscarini, but he's a key player for me because he can he's a sort of good mop-up player across half-back, but then provides that drive up the ground, which they, which they desperately need. But um, I think one thing for them that they need to try and bed down as best they can is is their defence and, and actually defending in defence, not just attacking out of half-back, which they have the personnel to do, but, but actually defending. I mean... I don't know, Damien Galifaro came back this season as a, as a key back, but he needs help because there's not much else back there to, to stem the stem the flow of the opposition scoring. And there have been some big scores put on them. I mean, you look at the, the first four games compared to the last five games, and they've been beaten by big margins, 82, 54, 65, 84, 73. And the scores they've conceded, uh, 16 goals, 18 goals, 18 goals, 21 goals, and 17 goals, uh, and most of those scores are around about 120 plus. So they are, it's, I mean, they're just, they're leaking like a sieve. So the midfield will help, but they need help in defence as well. Absolutely, no doubt. And that obviously, bad result for them. Great win for McLeod, percentage boosting win. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago that only three sides had a percentage over 100. It's now four when you add McLeod to the mix. So they're outside in six, but they've got the draw. So they're three, one, and five. 14 points, good percentage. So right back in, in finals calculation and playing some, some really good footy, albeit a massive game coming up for them this weekend. They travel to Greensboro to take on the undefeated Borough. So McLeod's on the up. West Preston Lakeside's on the up. Had a good look at them at the weekend. Just did what they had to do, didn't they? It yeah. was a, a very physical game against Hurstbridge. The Bridges were down to one fit player on the bench by the midway point of the third quarter. But West Preston, very professional performance. Obviously gave up a lot of height in the ruck. Matthew Harmon was a late out. Jackson Clark filled some time in the ruck. Um, we saw Liam McVeigh go in there for, for a little while as well. Um, Aiden Tilly also too, but liked the performance of some of their key players. Look, Jackson Clark was great in a, in a range of roles. Luke LaRossi is just a starter. He's, he's underrated. Yeah. He, he shouldn't be, but he's a club BNF winner, two-time premiership player with having one one at, at Epping as well, but he's underrated for, for what he does every single weekend, and in Matthew Signorello, they had a genuine match winner in the middle of the ground. I think the positive for them, they win, and Ahmed Saad didn't have a major impact, so it yeah. shows they're not going to be... I mean, obviously, they're always going to be reliant when you have a superstar goal kicker like that in your side, but showed again, as they did a couple of times in the finals last year, that he doesn't have to kick a bag for them to win, so... You have to be pretty buoyed about uh, the way they're performing. And at three and six, in a normal year, you might be a bit off the pack, but just one game outside and playing some really good footy. I know, as I said from the start, we'd, we'd written them off, but I have to say we're wrong there. They're, they're, they're right back yeah. in the hunt. And they're getting they're getting players back as well, so they've been able to to re-bolster their team, uh, the Roosters, with, uh, with players who were involved in the Premiership last year. 
Um, I, I think Rob Mayorana and everyone involved at West Preston will be hoping that uh, Matty Signorello stays in the team. He's VFL listed and mm, has played a bit of Melbourne. VFL. Played, played a bit of VFL this year, but he was easily the best player on the ground uh, on the weekend at Ben Freelay Oval. He was fantastic. He got himself at every contest. Um, I reckon about 90% of the time he had first hands to the footy at, uh, at around the ground stoppages. So he, that's just important in itself to give that first opportunity. And he was a good ball user, kicked, I think, two goals as well. He did. Uh, including a long-range one from 50. So um, he was doing it all, Matt Signorello, and uh, he's, he's a key player in that team now uh, immediately this season. Um, they had a couple of others as well. I, I really liked the drive from their half-back line. And that was that's probably the most... Um, it, it's probably the trademark of, of West Preston's style. So the push-off half-back, and then in addition to that, Ahmed Saad in the forward 50, despite him not scoring a goal on the weekend, but generally that is the case. But half-back, um, Mitch Tobin, Nathan Valadares, and Garrett McDonough, their, their explosiveness and their spring off the half-back line, um, that that turns teams inside out. And they just, they use the corridor so well, they attacked the play, they attacked... The, um, the opposition, they took the game on and it was just impressive to watch. There's not many other teams in the competition who do it as well and as direct as the Roosters can. Um, Valadares is such a key player for them in the back line because he, he marks one of the, 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 the key forwards, the captain, um, and he does his work in defence and then, and then explodes the other way. So that was one thing that was really impressive for me. Uh, for the Roosters and and as far as the midfield goes you mentioned Luke LaRossi I think a, one of the big factors for me ahead of that game on the weekend that we called Hurstbridge and, and West Preston was the, the midfields are very different sizes West Preston's midfield is very small uh, a lot of them are pretty short and Hurstbridge's midfield are a lot heavy, heavier they're a lot stockier you look at um, Ryan Jackson who's a strong body Troy Barbero strong body Tom Simpson strong body how are they going to go against those the more physical Hurstbridge players? But they did well. Their their deftness, their fleet of foot, and uh, and just that that slick um, slick possession around midfield. They they got the job done, and then the speed just burnt Hurstbridge. And Hurstbridge didn't have many players left on the bench by the end, which just made it even worse. Yeah, absolutely. For West Preston this week, a trip to Bill Laurie Oval. They'll take on Northcote Park. A win there would certainly put them above the Cougars at the very least, which could well put them in fifth albeit McLeod has that extra half a game on West Preston. So if they got the upset at Greensboro, they would actually be the side to push inside. It is a massive game. It's it's your big eight-point game, isn't it? A loss there for West Preston Lakeside would, would mean they're two games behind the Cougars with eight rounds to play. A win puts some equal points with a better percentage. It doesn't have to be overstated how important that one is. On Hurst Tough Bridge, run after that, though, for the Roosters, too. Absolutely. Very tough. Greensboro, Lowell Plenty in good form, McLeod, North Heidelberg. Yeah, so when you start Norton 6, it's never going to be easy, but they yeah. are making significant inroads there. Hurstbridge, don't think they lost any admirers at the, at the weekend. They're only one game off the bottom of the ladder, but I think they're capable of actually pushing for a spot in the five. I think you look at the way they play, they didn't... Uh, Cameron Cloak went off in the first quarter, lost Callum Cook, lost Mitch Dale, who's been playing really good footy, but there's a lot of players to like in that side. Cooper Perrin's a star of the competition. He, oh, yeah. he kicked four, um, marks the ball well, kicks it well, and Mitch Hymas in defence is one of... We talked about LaRossi being underrated. Hymas is very much that way as well for, for Hurstbridge, but he did the job on Saad. It has to be said, Saad kicked four behinds, but won many of the, the one-on-one contests. was was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot to like about that side, and they've still got players like Jack Furlong and Riley Redding to come back into the side. Both, I believe both will be back. 
probably this week. Yeah, uh, I think Mitch Hymas was the youngest player on the ground on the weekend. He's 20 years old, so he did a great job on, on Ahmed Saad. Saad uh, threatened in the second half but never got that goal. He scored four behinds, and, and Mitch Hymas made his day very difficult with uh, with tight marking um, out of out of defence, which, now that I think about it, must be said, he's got a bit of speed about him as well, Mitch Hymas, because when you're keeping up with Ahmed Saad, as, as Hymas did, for pretty much four quarters, um, then that's obviously a great job. I think Ahmed Saad, he didn't start on Hymas, though, did he, in the first quarter? I think a few times he got off him. I think he had had cover from blokes like Clark and whatnot, but I think Hymas was definitely the one assigned for the job. Um, But no, he he, he did really well. And look, Hurstbridge, I like the team. Um, I think in contrast to West Preston, they didn't have the same amount of drive off half-back, which uh, troubled them a little bit. They really couldn't get out of their back half for most of the second half. West Preston Lakeside really held them in and pinned them back um, deep in, in Hurst Bridges' defensive 50, and they just couldn't get away from from their back half of the ground. Normally, they rely on guys like Tyron Loder to do that, um, but he had a really quiet game, um, just didn't have the same energy as, as we have seen in the past. Uh, probably didn't help that the you know the conditions of, of you know the season we're in doesn't always help, makes everything a bit heavier. Um, and and missing a few other players who who do, you know, are able to help him in that. So Jack Furlong's normally a speedy player from midfield into the, into forward, um, and uh, and Mitch Dale, who is an outside runner, as you said, got injured, so didn't have much help there. Um, but I, I like the team. I think they're a good team, Hurstbridge, and they've got goal scorers, as you said. Cooper Perrin is unbelievable. I mean, he did some incredible things. I was I felt. Uh, I felt bad for not giving him one, at least one vote in my three-two-one on the day. I gave Jamie Smith, the ruckman, a, a vote there, but he was incredible. Cooper Perrin, he marks the ball really well. He reads the play. He's got great hand skills, and then they've got goal scorers up in the forward line. Uh, Cameron Cloak, Bailey Jordan, Jack Donnelly have all got bags of goals to their name for the season. So there's definitely something there for Hurst Bridge, and if they keep working at it, they'll be a good team, and they'll um, they definitely can trouble teams for the rest of the season as long as they can keep their players on the park because having only one rotation on the bench in the second half is going to hurt anybody because they were really tired. Absolutely. North Heidelberg went down to a significant loss to Heidelberg. Significant in the final margin, but also in the context of the season. They've slipped six points behind the Tigers. We know that the top three gives you the double chance and North at the moment in a comfortable position to to get a top three spot. But I think um, they gave up their, I guess, the, the mental advantage they had over, over the Burgers, which they've established by winning three games significantly over the last 18 months. But Heidelberg got one back. Chaz Sargent kicked five. Ryan Stone, Lockie Wilson had really good games. Um, Daniel O'Dwyer did the job on Shane Harvey, kept him to one after Harvey had kicked 20 in their previous uh, three encounters between the sides. So North Heidelberg, forgettable day for them. They've now only taken a draw from their last three. They lost Billy Hogan to a red card early. Boomer was sent as well. Mm. Um, you add that up to the fact that Jesse Tardio didn't play, and they've obviously got this... It's understandable why the margin probably blew out, but I think Heidelberg would be absolutely thrilled with that result because you remember these sides played only five matches or six matches ago, and it was North Heidelberg winning by 44 points. Fast forward, you know go from basically May to middle of June and that margin's turned on its head. Heidelberg gets up by 53 and are looking really good. Now you look at that one result they had at North Heidelberg. It's their only loss for the year. Um, probably had excuses on the day with a tall side and, and the conditions didn't suit, but yeah. they're just it's amazing. They're just still managing to slide under the guard. For a side that didn't play finals last year, they're a lock for mine for, to be featuring in September and 
could be aiming for for more than than just making up the numbers. You would have thought. Yeah, I think I think Heidelberg have uh, quite comfortably now taken over as the the number two seed in in the competition. They, uh, I mean, at the start of the season, we were saying the Bulldogs were the main challenger to Greensboro, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it's definitely the Tigers. Um, and and just sort of looking back, I mean, you don't you never sort of want to discredit a good start to the season and North Heidelberg were 5-1 and one after the first six rounds but looking at their draw overall they haven't in those run of games they never really claimed a big scalp apart from Heidelberg in that game uh, on a day where, where the Tigers back in round number four when they first played were, were just really off but the wins that they had beat McLeod in round one at the time we thought that was great but in hindsight McLeod were, had a, a horrid start to the season so they were terribly out of form um, likewise with West Preston Lakeside in round three, then Northcote Park, who have since gone on a, a massive slide, and then Hurstbridge, who are in the bottom half, and you'd expect North Heidelberg to, to win those games. So the Bulldogs haven't yet claimed a massive scalp yet this season. Um, they almost had McLeod, now that McLeod's in form a couple of weeks ago with that with that draw, um, but haven't been, they were absolutely outclassed by Greensboro, outclassed by Heidelberg on the weekends. And, and they need to at least beat one of those two teams um, this season in, in the regular season. They've got Greensboro in round 13, and they don't play the Tigers again. So um, North Heidelberg, they, I don't know. Do they need to show a bit more? Do they need to give us that extra... Do yeah. they need to go another level up for us to really make us believe in them? For me, not so much. I think they just have to recapture the form because when they displayed it, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. I think in the win they had over North Heidelberg, we watched them that day. We also watched them pick apart Northcote Park after half time and it was it was brutal really what they did that was a close game to half time and the run away with an 82 point win I think at their best absolutely they're in the mix but for, for you know a range of reasons the last three weeks they haven't been near the, near their best so I think they've proven that when they're when they're flying they're, they're a side that's capable of beating anyone it's just about recapturing that as I said they've Hopefully they'll get uh, Jesse Tardio back in in the short term. Um, you know, without him, they obviously struggle. He's a star on ball. I'd not help when you, when you lose you know, two other key players, um, you know, as well. So they'll have to address that as well. But at the moment, they're certainly not playing the kind of footy they displayed in the first five or six weeks. One side that certainly hasn't fallen off the the pace is Greensboro. We're about to jump to an interview we've conducted with their coach in Mick Half. They are flying. They had a, a bit of a slow start against Mont, conceded three of the first four goals, but then romped to a 48-point win ahead of what's always a massive game when they take on McLeod. So this weekend, we've got Greensboro taking on McLeod. That's obviously always, as we say, a big game. They've played some big finals. McLeod's coming. They would love a big scalp. Greensboro wants to just keep winning and keep that buffer at the top. Northcote hosts West Preston. Early season final for mine, as we said, given what's at stake, a win would put the Roosters above the Cougars. The Cougars, if they can you know, just get out of this form uh, slump that they've had, they could go you know, two games clear or six points clear at the very least inside the top half of the table. Montmorency plays Hurst Bridge. Loser for mine might not be able to make the finals you wouldn't have thought they're both three and six and you think they're if you lose and go to three and seven you're more focused on avoiding relegation mm-hmm. north heidelberg against lower dog start favorites but on recent form lower plenty would give themselves every chance and then bunduras up against heidelberg that's a top four clash played some outstanding games these two sides in recent years and for mine it's going to give really good insight because bandura it's hard to know what to make of them. They've been, you know, one win, one loss, and they, they've beaten North Heidelberg early in the year. They'd love a big scalp. They're at home. Their recent form at home hasn't been great. Dropped games to Hurstbridge 
and also to um, uh, to McLeod. But if they were to to get a win there, all of a sudden the top three potentially beckons for them. Yeah. Heidelberg knows from here they just keep banking the wins and they're going to get a double chance. So massive game that one. A Tigers win would for mine seal their, their double chance going into the back half of the year yeah I think so and, and Bandura um, coming off only a one point win against Lower on the weekend great performance from Lower to be that close to Bandura but by the same token and a great win for, for the Bulls I suppose to get up at the last but um, by the same token you have to ask how they got themselves into that position in the first place conditions don't always help when it gets very wet and windy, but um, it was very it was a it was a, a, a real bog in the middle of that ground. Yeah. Stephen Milne obviously played as well for Lower. He kicked three goals. Interesting for Lower, they lost Cam Elmore early in the game, um, cussed by the heavy footy. He got one to to the head, and <laughs> unfortunately it kept him out for the rest of the game. So hopefully he's okay for for weeks going forward. Um, down to two on the bench in the second half of the game. So the Bulls escape, but I think as we said in the outset. Given the conditions, you just take any win when 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 you get one a day like that. So, big game for them. Beckons this week for lower. It's unfortunate, as we said, a win would have had them only one game off fourth. Now they've lost. They're a game behind the the entire pack and need to bank some wins in the second half of the year to avoid relegation. So a big weekend coming up. Ahead of it, we've caught up with Greensboro coach Mick Harford, and he dissects his sides nine and nil start to 2019. Mick, been a great start to the season for your club. Halfway through, still undefeated, two games and percentage clear atop the ladder. I'd imagine everyone at the club's pretty happy with how you're going so far. Yes, uh, thanks for having me, Samuel. Um, yeah, it's been really great, mate, to be honest. Um, it's not just our, our senior team, but it's uh, obviously having our uh, reserve team in the same position. Um, you know, it's a real credit to the, to the whole club and the way the playing group have bought into everything. So, yeah, it's been a really pleasing start to the year. I guess everyone's aim is to go out there and, and win every week, but at the start of the year, could you envisage that you'd get to the halfway point of the season, you've won every game convincingly, and, and you have a commanding buffer at the top of the table? No, not at all. You, you never you, know, you never go in as a coach ever expecting to win every game. You Obviously, you try to put things in place to win every game. Um, but... The, you know, the competition's still really even. Um, I, I appreciate that we've been able to get away to a, to a really fast start in the year, but you know, if you look at the middle of the table, the competition's still really even. So we fully appreciate that uh, you know, the teams will still come at us. So, uh, no, nah, you never expect that. But, you know, to the credit of the boys, they've, they've maintained their uh, their energy and their effort. Um, and it's difficult. You know, you know, sometimes when you're at the bottom of the ladder, you, your, uh, your effort and energy is, is different when you're at the top but you know as, as you build at the top you've also got to maintain that, uh, that energy and effort every week as well Is that what makes it even more remarkable I guess in a way that what you've been able to achieve it's an average winning margin 63 points the competition otherwise is so even I think it's something like a, a couple of games separating fifth all the way down to, to bottom um, obviously you've been able to start so well but then at the same time you talk about that even comp you probably know that sides are really gunning for you in the back half of the year given the fact that they need to A. win to perhaps make finals but then B. to avoid relegation as well Yeah it's funny isn't it we, um, yeah, we did have a I've spoken about this before. We, we did have a strategy over the summer to to be more forward of the ball and, and try and create more opportunities in our forward half. And we just tinkered a little bit. You know, we didn't change it overly, but you know, our ability to hit the scoreboard um, has been, I guess, our, our biggest uh, benefit so far in the season. And you know, I, I don't really look at the points differential. Um, 
we focus more on how many times we can we can go inside our four fifty and what our repeat entries are. So our ability to to, to, to score from going inside four fifty has been really good. But um, yeah, look, it's it's one of those things where you and on Montmorency on the weekend they you know, Gaz played a lot of numbers behind the ball, so we we had to work a little bit differently. But teams are going to throw different stuff at us every week, and you know, we just need to continue to to hold our line and length and. Um, how we go from there. It's amazing to think that you've scored you know, 150 points more than your closest competitor, yet your leading goal scorer at this point of the season stands on, I think it's 17 goals. That's spread in the forward line. Do you, do you put that down to, to being one of your, your major assets in, in, within the club? Yeah, and we knew that, Samuel, to be honest. We knew we didn't have a, a big key forward. No, Andrew Stellis plays a, a big role down there as sort of a, you know, that centre-half forward lead-up um, position, but we understood that we didn't have enormous height uh, and we didn't have a you know a go-to from the deep forward perspective, so we, we knew that we had to change it up. And just a couple of little things that we've changed here, um, and the way that we, our rotations are working this year, the ability to throw some of our midfielders forward and get you know scoring out of those guys has been great. But you know, the likes of Brody Tickle and Tyne Smith and Jacob Island now who's come back in, and you know, Damon Markon when he was before he got injured. The ability to have multiple goal scorers who are fast, not overly tall, but who can also take a mark, you know, just creates a little bit of uncertainty for all sorts of defenders. With the, the players come in, obviously there was a, a fair bit uh, spoken about in the, in the off-season, um, went out and targeted a few specific types, but the likes of you know, Tom Bell, Ben Fennell, Jordan McIver-Clark, can you just give us your thoughts on, on their impact over the, the opening nine rounds of 2019? Yeah, it's important that you continue to bring in uh, quality players um, and the Greensboro Footy Club has been fantastic at developing juniors uh, for a long time now so um, the ability to bring in some top end quality to match the quality that we had been our juniors coming through has made a massive difference and you know it was about again being more forward of the ball so adding some more grunt into our midfield taking a little bit of pressure off our back half both Tom and Ben are able to get through that midfield and go forward and score as well um, and to have Geordie you know, float either off half-back or on the wing, he's just so assured with the ball and calm. Um, you know, they've been really you know, a couple of great pickups, and then you put Liam Reed in the middle and, again, be able to throw him forward as a, as a big ruckman, 200-plus centimetre ruckman, be able to get a couple of goals out of him each week. Again, it's just adding to those that forward-of-the-ball momentum. I mean, you mentioned the reserves as well, and, and they're flying through the season as well. There's, there's great depth that I imagine it, it causes plenty of headaches on a Thursday night when you are trying to select a team, but is it something now in the, the run towards finals that you potentially start to, to have a look at a few different players as well and see how they can fare at senior level as well? Oh, look, we've been really clear with our playing group from the start of the year. Uh, and we're obviously very fortunate as well to have two under-19 teams. So we have huge numbers uh, to select from every week. Uh, and we have anywhere between 8 and 12 guys missing out on a senior game every week at this point in time, which is, you know, we, we understand the position of fortune that we're in there. But you know, we've been really clear when we communicate with our playing group to say that, you know, they've just got to stick together. Um, and can, we can't play everybody every week. We're trying to pick our best team, but we're trying to give guys a go. Uh, but it's also the luxury of being able to send guys back to the reserves when they're not in great form, uh, to find form and then bring them back when they, you know, when they hit their form again. So you know, we, we appreciate we're in a really fortunate position, but uh, no, we're not going to tinker with it at this point, mate. I think if it's, um, if it's not broken, don't fix it. 
with the I guess the, the competition around you obviously as I said it's it's really starting to heat up and it, it is quite even I think I guess aside from Heidelberg who's now got a bit of a break and, and North Heidelberg to an extent as well it, it does seem to be really even I mean what have what have you made of of the competition in the top flight over that first nine weeks it's hard to read isn't it um I think it's probably a great year to be in the position that we're in because I think that middle part of the table is going to get pretty hectic towards the end of the year. Um, and if you look at the likes of, you know, uh, Hurstbridge and Lower Plenty, you know, they're competing every week. So that whole relegation uh, part of the ladder is going to be a challenge as well. So, you know, every week, and I look at um, sort of, you know, North Northcote Park and where they're at, and then you've got uh, West Preston and McLeod coming up, and it's a real challenge for that middle of the table. And gee, fourth and fifth is going to be pretty hot at the end of the year. And you come up against two sides in the next two weeks who are in that uh, that mould in terms of mid-table where they can really have an impact, or a few losses could send them down the other way. But but both of which played in the grand final last year and, and seem to be hitting their straps to an extent. You've got McLeod this week, followed by West Preston Lakeside, and then following that Heidelberg and North Heidelberg. And imagine the next month can can really, I guess, uh, give you a, a, a gauge of, of how you're tracking and then also prepare you for a big run into the finals as well. Yeah, we've got a huge month coming up and we knew that we've sort of planned our year out and this part of the uh, part of the year through July, which, you know, the depths of winter and, uh, you know, heavy grounds and cold nights. So, yeah, we've got uh, a couple of big weeks, but none bigger than McLeod at home and uh, we'll put all our focus under that. You know, the, the first time we played them, we probably had an opportunity to win the game a little bit stronger, um, but I thought our ability to, to maintain our effort through that game was good. Um, but they they continue to improve and we're getting some players back. So yeah, it's going to be a, it's always a great game against McLeod. And then you know you never underestimate the reigning premier Samuel, as you well know. So the following week, West Preston and then yeah Heidelberg for the first time, which will be a you know, really interesting uh, part of our year. So unfortunately, it's round twelve before we play them. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the next four weeks and. Um, hopefully at the end of that we're still in a really strong position and we can um, really concentrate on getting through to the final. You've obviously had a, a, an involvement with the club for, for some years now. You've obviously you know, coached uh, when, when Heidi went away a couple of years ago and um, obviously been heavily involved in the last couple of years as well as that. But now you've obviously got a, a free reign at it as, as senior coach. How are you, how are you finding uh, your time in the role? Yeah, I love it, mate. It's, uh, I really enjoy... Um, the ability to, to work with a great group of young men, and they are, and they've really bought in. Uh, they're a really good bunch. Uh, they're really coachable. Uh, the club's very supportive of everything that we're doing. Obviously, it helps that you know, you're nine and zero, but even when we weren't a few years ago, it's a really positive club, and the environment's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and you know, I, I, I communicate to the players a lot. Um, and I've spoken to a couple this morning, and had a coffee with one this morning, but it's the ability to have those relationships as well, so yeah, I really enjoy it, mate. Professionalism at, at grassroots level just keeps rising and rising. I mean, how much contact would you have with a player? I guess obviously, obviously you have your, your training nights in the week, but, um, you know, middle of the day and whatnot, how often would you be making contact with uh, different players within the, 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 the club and, and also, uh, I guess, people within the hierarchy as well? Yeah, look, I'll make a bit of a point. From... In my experience, with uh, even with work, you know, ma- management of people is obviously a really important part of of what you do. So feedback, uh, communication, both when it's going well and going poorly, uh, but also seeking some feedback on your own performance from the playing group, from 
know, from people around. So, you know, I'll make a, a point of speaking to at least you know, half a dozen players every week. Um, I caught up with one of our key players this morning just for coffee to catch up to find out how he's going and um, if there's anything we can do to, to be better. You know, I speak to the president <laughs> mostly every day. Uh, so it takes up a little bit of time, but, you know, I take it personally that, you know, it's a, um, a reflection on me on how much effort goes in and out, and the playing group also do that. So I think if everyone's doing the same amount of work, uh, I think you get the benefits on the back end of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's less about coaching during the week and more about that communication and management that I find makes a significant difference. We'll do appreciate that inside, Mick. Uh, well done on, on the great start to the year. Obviously, a, a massive month coming up and, and a big second half of the year as well. So all the best going into that and uh, and really appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast. Thanks, Samuel. Appreciate it, mate. We now take a look at A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 at the weekend. There were some convincing wins for the sides at the top, particularly Banyul continued their undefeated run with a 107-point win away to Epping. Altham eventually got the job done against St Mary's, but had fewer scoring shots despite winning that game by 38 points. Watsonia produced the biggest result of the weekend, 38-point winners away to the Fitzroy Stars. That was their first win since Round 2, and Whittlesey, for them, well, they got their season back on track, travelled to Main Street Recreation Reserve, came away with a 9-point win against Thomastown, and now sit a game and percentage clear inside the top four. Really was, a, a, I guess, a, a decisive weekend in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, and suddenly the top four has a gap on the rest. Yeah, absolutely. One quick thing I'll say about uh, St Mary's, I don't know how much we'll chat about them, but they've got to get their kicking boots on because scoring too many behinds has been a plague for them this season. They scored 6-21 back in round four, 14-13 in round five, 6-11 in round seven, 14-10 last week, and then 8-18 on the weekend just gone. So um, accuracy or lack thereof is really hurting them, St. Mary's, this season, but we always expected Eltham to get that win. It's a shame, though, because they've kicked inaccurately against good sides, and they very well may have claimed an upset yeah. at some point in the season. They've settled in after a slow start, 8-18, as you say, on the weekend. At three-quarter time, they were down by 19 points. They kicked 7-17, had kicked 12-6. 12, 18 scoring shots to 24, they were down by 19 points. And another day, you might be up by three goals, and, and you go on to, to hold on for a win. So I think there's positives out of what they're producing, but you're right, when you miss that many chances, it, it hurts. You good to at, see some of the younger players are playing some good footy, though. Yeah, and you look at those, those three games in particular where they scored the most behinds, and... You know, you convert a few of those behinds into maybe an extra two or three goals, and they would have won pretty much all of them. They would have beaten Whittlesey in round four in that 6-21 uh, loss. Um, then they had an eight-point loss to Diamond Creek and a nine-point loss to Fitzroy Stars. So suddenly you put an extra three wins on, on St. Mary's season, and they're up pretty much challenging with Fitzroy Stars and Diamond Creek for a top-four position. So that's how, how delicate things can be um, at this stage of the season. But... Uh, aside from that, hopefully St. Mary's can uh, can pinch a couple of wins. It won't be easy. They've got Banyul up next and Thomastown after that. Um, but elsewhere on the on the weekend in Division 2, I think the, the key game for, for us was uh, yet another Thomastown game, and, and rightfully so as well. Thomastown have played uh, all the other teams in the top four, uh, and, uh, and this time they had their, their sort of last of this uh, stretch of three games, and they took on Whittlesey. And uh, they lost by nine points, Samuel, which means out of the last three games against Banyul, then Eltham, then Whittlesey, they are zero wins and three losses, which 
uh, that must, I mean, that, I don't know what that does for the Bears and, and their confidence against the other teams. It'd it be infuriating as well, given the fact that they were in that commanding position against Banyol, 33 points up mm-hmm. early in the last quarter, didn't go on to win. You think if they win that, they'd probably win at least one of the next two as well. Yeah. And it's so deflating when they now sit at Norton 4 against sides inside the top four, remembering they've lost two games to, to Altham during the year. They've also, they look at the moment, look comfortable inside the four, but they're, they're the only side that hasn't had a bye. So they're yep. in by a game in percentage, but having played that, that one extra game. So they've only got um, to play seven games. You think they're going to have to win, for mine, minimum of four to play finals, potentially five if some of those sides below get on a winning run. So they'd be disappointed because they've shown their best is you know able to beat the best side in the competition. Yeah. But to then drop, to Altham and a close one at home to Whittlesey in the the weeks that followed, they'd be scratching their head at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm looking at their next uh, next five games. They cannot lose their next five games. So they've got the bye uh, coming up this weekend in round number 10 for Division 2, Thomastown. They've got the bye then. They've got the bye in round 16. So between round 10 bye and the round 16 bye, they've got five games. They play St. Mary's, the Fitzroy Stars, Epping, Watsonia and Diamond Creek. All winnable. They have to win all of them. Mm. Like they, they need to win all of those games. They finish the season in the last two rounds with Banyul and Whittlesey. So they play those top two sides again, who they'll, if they make the finals, will most likely face then once more, once they get to the finals. So those two games in the, at the end of the season, they have to get a result there too. But the next five weeks, once they come back from the bye, have to win all of them, the Bears. Agree. And if they are going to drop one, they have to make sure they don't drop it to the Stars or Diamond Creek, the sides yeah. who are most likely <laughs> going to be pressing for, for their spot inside. So big couple of weeks coming up for them. Whittlesey will... Uh, we won't gloss over them, but we are going to catch up with, with Blair Harvey. So we'll go there in more in depth. But um, mass- massively important win for them because they've been... Beaten by Altham, soundly beaten by Banyul. They had to claim a big scalp. They did it on the road at the weekend. Vital uh, win for them and, and a good response after being completely outplayed by Banyul. So that was a, a really important one for them. As you said, we'll touch on that further with Blair Harvey. But the other big result occurred at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. And the Fitzroy Stars, in the previous two weeks going into this game, we said that they'd importantly won games, albeit less convincing than we thought they would have been against Epping and St. Mary's, winning those two by a combined total of only 22 points. Watsonia had beaten the Stars the previous two uh, in each of the previous two seasons. They did it for a third time, and, and they did it convincingly in the end as well. Got the fast start, two goals up at quarter time. Got it, uh, you know, held off a few five backs from the Stars in the next two quarters and then ran away with it with five goals to two in the last 38-point winners. Watsonia, it's great for them because they've ended that losing streak that had really stretched all the way back to, to round two, lost five games in a row. But without being disrespectful to them, the result's more about the Stars now losing and what that potentially does to the shape of the top four because Watsonia had been threatening to, to claim a win. They themselves had been shooting themselves in the foot with bad kicking. But for the Fitzroy Stars now, a win potentially had them inside the four and all of a sudden they have to, to build again and to see if they can sneak in. And it doesn't get really, well, it doesn't get easier at all this weekend. They travel away to Coventry Oval to take on Diamond Creek, and it has not been a happy hunting ground for them in recent seasons. Yeah, and then they've got a stretch like Thomas Sound had, where they play the uh, all the top four teams after their bye. So Diamond Creek, as you said, then the bye, and then, and then all of the current top four teams after that. So this is, um, I mean, that it's sort of, 
<laughs> without having even played those upcoming four games, this loss they've just suffered almost compounds Absolutely the, the, run ahead, the run ahead because Absolutely. it puts them in a puts them on the back foot big time. It, it really does, and they've shown at their best what, what they can do. They've soundly beaten both Altham and Whittlesey, but I think when they're slightly off the ball, it, that they they are vulnerable. For what's only an interesting one of note was they brought in Tyrone, Tyrone Leonardis for his first game. He's been playing VFL footy, uh, formerly a Sydney Swans listed yeah. player, played at Montmorency a bit last year as well. Uh, he was outstanding. Adrian Alfonsi kicked five, and uh, I think um, blokes like Hayden Mitchell and and um, Kyle Kemp as well really led the way. But good for them because they'd been pressing, and they finally get the result that they probably feels long overdue. Fitzroy have forgotten how to score as well. Uh, you look back at their season uh, two years ago in 2017. I'm doing a rough count here, but I think they scored over 100 points uh, about th- I think it was hang on, I'm trying to I think 11 times in the season. So they put. Massive scores on the board in, in Division 2 with uh, 11 scores or about thereof uh, of over 100 points. Last year, they scored over 100 points once. That was uh, uh, 102 to 131. So they actually lost that game against Thomastown where they scored over 100 points. And then this year, they've only done it the once as well where they beat um, St. Mary's uh, uh, two weeks ago and then and then scored 60 on the weekend. But they've been a low-scoring team on the scoreboard for the last two years. And that's something they need to rediscover because you need to score goals and need to put points on the board to actually win games. And at the moment, the wins they are getting are slim wins with in low-scoring encounters, but you can't. that's not sustainable. You can't sustain that. And Fitzroy Stars need to find an antidote to that and, and try to find a way to, to get a big one on the board. They take on Diamond Creek this weekend. They're both 4-4. Four and four. The Stars have a percentage of 94. Diamond Creek, a percentage of 92. Whittlesey is at home to Altham. I think both of those sides will, in, in Diamond Creek and Stars will be hoping that, that Altham gets the win. But for the loser, is it too early to write off their campaign? They would, would need to get a, a really big winning streak going thereafter and hope other results go their way. Would you would you write them off or, or too early to say that? Uh, it might be slightly too early to say that, but you probably would again look at maybe the, the run of the Fitzroy Stars, those fixture that, fixtures they have coming up. Uh, in a couple of weeks, and then Diamond Creek. I'm just looking at them. They, uh, it's not that easy either. Um, it's not never easy. Division two is it? I mean, those top four teams are all very hard to beat at the moment. Um, for the loser, I would say no. It wouldn't it? Wouldn't yet write off because you've still got about half the season to play. Don't forget. So if you pick up wins and you can pluck a couple big ones here and there, um, you might you might still be pushing. And they're not far away outside the top four. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. It's season over for whoever win, or whoever loses between the Stars and, and the Creekers this weekend. But um, maybe if they don't get results in the in the fortnight after that, then you can probably start saying, yeah, season over. And then finally, we haven't really touched on either of Eltham and Banyul. They are the top two sides. Banyul had 12 goal scorers in their, out of their 18 goals in the big win at Epping. So I think we all expected them to win pretty comfortably. Um, did it with a few key players out. Uh, Scott Gumbleton didn't play, but... Brent Stanton came back into the side, 18 goals, 20 they kicked on the day, so the damage could have been greater. But having said that, and they are obviously going, um, you know, 
going along really nicely. Can't, couldn't complain at Van Newell. For Eltham, Michael still came back into the side. He kicked six in the win over St Mary's. Young Nick Rybelt played his first game since round one. He's one that's got good wraps around him. He was their mm. best player in round one. Yeah. Suffered an injury thereafter. Has been out with, I think it's a quad injury. Came back in, as I said, three goals amongst the best players as well. And certainly one to watch there. The game's coming Daniel, up. Daniel Caulfield came back too and scored Absolutely, two. yeah. So they had some good players go out because Tim Curry didn't play. Um, they had Adam Oxley. They, they lost him as well. And, um, yeah, a few others too. Um, I think Ben Montanaro being, being another one. But... Lost some good ones, got some equally you know, great plays into the side and, and had a good win. He's uh, he's the only Caulfield who can get a game at the moment, Daniel. Nick Caulfield's not getting a Guernsey for the Saints at all in the AFL. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, in this weekend's games, Jordan, we've, we've obviously talked about the two key games we feel as being Diamond Creek hosting the Stars and, and Whittlesey hosting Altham. Yep. Um, Watsonia is at home to Epping and Banyul travels to St. Mary. So they're your four games. We're going to now have a chat with the coach of the Whittlesea Football Club, Blair Harvey, following his side's win away to Thomastown in Round 9. Blair, appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast. Obviously, a really vital win for your side at the weekend down in Thomastown and, and I guess just shoring up your place inside the top four at the halfway mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a make-or-break game for us. So we will, um, It was a really... Good game, really tough contest all day, so we were very happy to get away with the win, especially up there. We knew it was going to be tough. Going into the game, I mean, you'd been soundly beaten by Banyul the week prior where they really jumped you, and I think we're about 10 goals up at half-time. You'd lost your previous game also uh, when you played Altham, so you hadn't hadn't beaten a side inside the top four. Was it something you really set yourself on in terms of, of making an impact against a side that's also in finals contention? Yeah, we were really embarrassed with our performance against Banyul, especially in the first half. We only kicked one goal for the first half. So um, we were really positive throughout the week. We, we knew that our second half against Banyul was a lot better. Um, so we took the positives out of that second half and really focused on that going forward during the week. And sort of thought, just trying to get a bit of energy back, get a good feeling around the football club. And yeah, just sort of set some non-negotiables going forward and, yeah, we're lucky enough to get away with a good win on Saturday because of that, I think. Going back to, to that Banyul game, obviously it was, I mean, in some ways a, a reality check or a, a real lesson learned, is it? Sometimes do you find that, I mean, you've obviously been involved in footy for such a long time, but to, to get, a, I guess, a, a loss like that at the midway point of the year, you can actually learn a lot more from it and, and I guess that can then help you down the track? Yeah, I think it really opened our eyes up. We sort of went in with a game plan, that we thought would work against Banyul. Um, watching a few of their games, we thought we had, we had something that was going to be competitive. Um, in the first half, we obviously we played nowhere near our game plan and our structures fell down. So we sort of focused to try and get back to basics at half-time and sort of we could have gone either way with us. We could have really got beaten soundly or we sort of fought back, which we did. We still got done by seven goals, but uh, I thought our effort in the second half was a lot better. So, yeah, we took a lot of positives out of that, even though we did we did lose by 44 points. We thought it was a really good learning game for us. At the halfway now, you've in the, in the four, you're, you're in fourth, five wins, three losses, a, a pretty healthy percentage over 100. It means you're a game and about 15 or 16% inside the top four. What have you made of, of the first half of, of 2019? Uh, well, for us, it's been inconsistency. Um, we haven't really strung four quarters of football together all year. And even again on Saturday, we were, I think in the third quarter, we were held scoreless. So 
it's a game we had three good quarters, so we're still trying to get that consistency. And knowing that we have got a young side, we've played now 15 under-19 players through the seniors in the first nine weeks. So we're getting exposure to a lot of kids as well, which has been fantastic for the club's growth. Of those kids, is there any in particular that you've been really impressed by? Uh, we've got Blake Watson, who's played every game in the seniors. Uh, Blake Fitzgerald, Sam Indian has played every game bar last week. He was uh, dropped for the Thomastown game. But again, there's, there's a handful of others too. There's been Ty Bland, uh, Ben Rowan. Um, there's a few more. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, mate. <laughs> there's, uh, let's see, we've played 15. Got Caleb um, Newport's another. So there's been uh, Travis Holmberg. So there's plenty of kids coming through to the club in the future. Um, it's going to be very, very exciting um, knowing our boys are in Division 1 in the 19s and they're, I think, third or fourth on the ladder. Um, they're going really well. So we've got plenty of growth to come through and it's exciting times, I think. We may not see it this year, but in the near future, it's going to be very, very good for the Whittlesea Football Club. You've obviously had some, some challenges as well. I mean, early in the year, you lose your skipper, Riley Dyson, to injury, but you've had a few other of the, I guess, more experienced likes that, that seem to be leading the way quite well. Xavier DeMarcy is right up there in the, the coaches' MVP voting. Paul Higgins has had a, a really good month of footy, and, and obviously we know the, the class that Jaron Murphy can bring as well. What have you made of, I guess, the, the more experienced folk in the side uh, at this point of the season? Yeah, it was, that's been fantastic from the first game all through pre-season and everything like that. He's been great. He's getting tagged very heavily lately, um, as he should. He's such a good player. Um, so, it's, And the other boys are starting to take up a bit of slack now where we are sort of lacking that. When, uh, as I said, Paul Higgins is starting to find some really good form and Jared Murphy, he sort of had a finger problem for, had a couple of weeks off, but before that he'd been really good. And then now, especially on the weekend, he's had a real good bit of form on the weekend, which was great. So those those sort of three boys, plus there's been Matt Adder as well, as a more senior player, that is sort of those four guys have really held us. And also Nathan Stefano as well in the ruck. Those five have really held us in good stead to try and help these younger blokes out coming through. So um, now that we're starting to get a few senior blokes back, well, we've had some injuries, but it's not an excuse. Um, but we've got senior players coming back into the side now and playing reserves football as well. So the pressure's starting to come from within. So I think our second half of the season, you should see a pretty big improvement from, from us. In terms of the competition as a whole, it's it's been pretty riveting, I guess, for, for outsiders looking in. There's certainly at least six sides who are uh, every chance of playing finals. And then you've got sides also like uh, Watsonia and St Mary's who seem to be challenging the top sides in recent weeks. What have you made of, of the competition as a whole? Yeah, I think the competition is really healthy. I think, as you said, there's the top four at the moment, but then Dolma Creek and Fitzroy Stars are just out of the four and they're more than competitive. They're, they're really good sides. And then you've got Watsonia and St Mary's. Uh, St Mary's, again, most probably kicked themselves out of the game. And I think they had 12 more scoring shots than what we did on the day. Um, so really, they should have most probably beaten us um, at home. So I think St Mary's and Watsonia, even though they are where they're on the ladder, they're still more than competitive and could easily knock off anyone inside the four any day. You yourself, obviously, it's your first year at the club. Uh, long history with both Heidelberg and, and also North Heidelberg as well. How have you found, I guess, A, joining a new club in Whittlesea, but also doing it as, as the head coach? Um, it's been it's 
different, I suppose. Uh, look, being at the football club is great. Look, it's, look, most football clubs, they really take you in when you go somewhere new and make you feel welcome, which is fantastic. And um, for coaching-wise, it's more for me, I suppose, getting the adjustment right now of player and coaches in. Obviously, if you're uh, out there playing, you can sort of do some things around coaching-wise. You have to sort of wait till quarter time and half time, three-quarter time to sort of get some things right. Um, so that's, for me, I suppose, the frustrating part of coaching at this early stage in my career of coaching, that's for sure. Uh, this weekend, it's obviously another really important game for your footy club, um, coming up against Altham, um, followed then by a trip to, to Diamond Creek. The next two weeks, obviously, really big games, but, but this weekend in particular, taking on a side that's, I think, on a, a four or five game winning run and, and really starting to make their charge. Yeah, they're playing well, Altham. Look, we played them up there and we sort of we went in at half time, we were up, and I think they kicked six goals and two in the second half and were able to beat us by 14 points. and. I think since then they've really found some form. They've got some players, obviously both the Curry boys are back in the side, Merkel's back in the side now, so they're starting to get a real structured side and a bit of consistency and obviously they're playing accordingly like they did Thomastown pretty easily the week before um, and then, yeah, they've had a good win on the weekend, so we know that uh, it's going to be tough, um, but yeah, we're looking forward to the challenge. Like I think we've got Alton this week, or we've got Alton this week, then we've got Simon Creek, so the next two weeks are massive for us. Um, we've really set ourselves for these two games. And, yeah, fingers crossed, mate, we can uh, get over the line, mate, and we don't get any more injuries and uh, we can stay healthy. Well, uh, all the best with that, Blair. We do really appreciate your time in, in joining us on the NFNL podcast and wish you all the best for the second half of 2019. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks a lot. We'll now bring things home with a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 and the weekend's results uh, saw Panton Hill prove far too good for Laylor, kicking 28 goals in their 133-point win, as we said from the outset. Reese Boyden, 12, Matty Byron kicked 6, and Cam Jordan, 4, and a big win for their side. Kilmore notched yet another win, 19-10-124 to Reservoir 5-7-37. South Morang gave a scare to Lorimer but couldn't quite hold on despite leading by 19 points at halftime, going down 7-6-48 to 7-13-55. And Mernda kept its finals hopes alive, winning 6-9-45 to 4 goals 12-36. Jordan, a scare for Lorimer. Panton Hill furthers its, uh, or further bolsters its percentage. Kilmore's looking very good for a finals place now being some two games and percentage clear of fifth. And I reckon for, for mine it means that there's three sides competing for fourth spot. That's South Morang, Heidelberg West and Mernda. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the the main uh, attraction at the moment is, uh, well, actually, I was going to say, the main attraction I was going to say was the edge of the uh, of the finals, so third through to fifth. But looking at Kilmore, I mean, they're right there, aren't they? They are level on points with Panton Hills, so probably go the other way around. It's the top three, really, that are the main attraction in, in Division 3. Lorimer uh, undefeated at the uh, the first through the ni- first nine weeks of the season. Did have that scare, as you said, and then, and then Panton Hill and Kilmore doing a big number on, on their opposition this weekend as well. Um, Lorimer, a great performance from them, I suppose, in the last quarter in particular to, uh, to get the job done over South Morang. The Lions only scored one goal in the final term, and Lorimer scored uh, two goals, three, so they had more scoring shots in that last quarter. But uh, the fact that they were there in the first place is probably a credit to South Morang because they've been a team who we sort of, I think we mentioned this last week as well, we kind of 
maybe underwrote them a little bit through the first half of the season. We were focusing a lot on, on Kilmore and, and maybe, you know, the um, the revitalisation of Heidelberg West to be the teams who, who make the finals. But um, a combination of Heidelberg West's poor form and then South Moraine getting into some good form means that the Lions uh, once more are, are looking like finals players, even if they didn't win on the weekend. But... Um, yeah, was, we'll talk about the Hawks in a sec, but the Lions, I mean, it's a good effort from them to get that close to a, an undefeated side. It was important because the last time they played a top two side, they were hammered by Panton Hill, so they lost that one by over 100 points, and they would feel now that if they make the four, that they belong because they've beaten Kilmore, now really challenged Lorimer and gotten as close as anyone have bar Mernda. Mm-hmm. I think for Lorimer, the, the, the important thing for them is they've won a few tight games as well so they're obviously the favourite to win basically every game they play now which for a young side can be nerve-wracking but they've a few times they've had to come from losing positions and to win games which they've done which I think holds them in in really good stead going into I guess the, the finals as, as it comes to hand. Yeah that's a good point they've, they've won a lot of really close games Lorimer because statistically they're not they're not that much better than, than others I mean Panton Hill are statistically the best team in, in Division 3 they've they, you look at the, the points for this season, Panton Hill have scored 1,111 points, quadruple one, and Lorimer uh, 837. So they've scored three almost 300 more points, um, Panton Hill, than Lorimer have. And defensively, they're all about the same in terms of how many points they've conceded. So Lorimer are about even with with that uh, Kilmore, as a matter of fact, for just points for and points against, and, and Panton Hill are the better team. So it is important in that situation if you're if you're pretty similar in terms of um, you know what scores you're scoring and what you're conceding with the teams around you that you can actually win those close games and, and Lorimer have done that uh, a number of times this season. Um, you know, having said that, the percentage is still astronomical. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. When you're nine and zip, you're, yeah, exactly. you're going to be pretty healthy. <laughs> um, we talk about uh, Kilmore. I mean, they are at 7-2 and two now. I mean, they would need to, to fall away badly to, to not play finals, which is a great story for, for the entire competition. It's a club that, coming into the league, hadn't had a great deal of success in, in recent years. Uh, took some time for them to, to find their place, but now four consecutive wins um, and, and seven of their last eight. I mean, they're, they're playing some great footy. Marcus Webb's become a, a real goal scorer uh, in their side. He's... Uh, been known as, as being a, a midfield player, but kicked eight goals in the win at, over Reservoir at the weekend, kicked six when they beat Laylor as well. So pretty big uh, bags of goals. So he's, I'm sure, enjoying spending more time inside the forward half of the ground, and, and they're looking really good. Uh, obviously, some, some big challenges still to come for them, but given the fact they're generally pretty dominant at home, you'd expect them from here to, to go on and play finals. They just have to win um, the games they're probably expected to win, and they'll get there, keeping in mind that um, sides like South Moran Heidelberg West Mernda well South Morang at the very least is 6 points behind them Mernda is 12 so if in terms of, of that they're, they're looking pretty comfortable but they just need to win the games that they're expected to from here so if you were to say that the top 3 were to get there and obviously there's still plenty to play out there because double chance is still very much alive um, Lorimer's obviously looking really good to at least get one of the top two spots and then Panton Hill and Kilmore to fight at the next. But if you were to look at it right now, which side would you, if you were to you know, have a, a ping as to which side might actually get fourth spot, South Marang, Heidelberg, West or Mernda, which way would you be leaning? Oh, I'd love to say Heidelberg, West, because um, I want to see them do well for a club who have you know been where they were five, six, seven years ago. To where they are now, actually in this position at all, is is great. So I'd love for them to actually follow through. But um, 
I don't know. I think I just like South Morang. I think I like, even though they've had a, a personnel change again over the off season, and a lot of their team from last year is not sort of the same as what they've got this year. Um, they still do have remnants of of the side who know how to play finals and the experience that they that they possess, and that's probably a bit more than what Heidelberg West have at the moment. So, um, look, it's 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 so line ball. Only two points separate the team, courtesy of the Lions uh, draw. Uh, a couple of weeks back with uh, with old Eltham, uh, I'd probably say South Morang definitively. Oh, that that would be my answer. But I mean, it's such an early. There's still what, not another nine rounds to go, pretty much, or another eight, eight rounds eight to, go. to go. Yeah, obviously going into round eleven this weekend. This weekend's games will clear things up a bit as well because South Morang hosts Moonda. It's a vitally important game at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. South Morang won the previous fixture at Moonda by uh, just shy of four goals. So that was that's becoming even more of a, of a telling victory. So th- that's a big one. And then, of course, Heidelberg West hosts Kilmore. These two mm-hmm. tend to produce really close games. That's at Heidelberg Park. Heidelberg West at home is obviously a hard side to beat, but they've lost their last four. Kilmore's won their last four, so the travelling side's probably fancied there. Yep. But, um, you know, it's it's not make or break, but it's going to be a really important round, and those two results are going to have a big bearing on how the top four sits at the end of the season. Yeah, it, it will. Um, but I, I think Kilmore will get the job done comfortably against the Hawks. I mean, it, it, it is a big game for Heidelberg West. It's a game they um, they sh- they would need to win. Um, Kilmore not far away from them on the ladder, so these are you know this is a, a, a sort of a close uh, rivalry match, I guess, in terms of ladder position. But Kilmore have been travelling that well in the last well, pretty much all season long. They've been playing great football. They're seven and two, which is the same record as Panton Hill. Um, they've got, as I said before, they've got they're statistically almost identical with Lorimer, so they're playing, I guess, as well as Lorimer. Um, despite the two extra losses. But Kilmore, for me, will, will, will get the job done. I really like Kilmore this season. I think they can actually make a, a good fist of it in the finals once they get there. There's still half a season to go, so anything can happen. But, um, yeah, I like Kilmore in that game. So I think I think the Hawks will go down. And then, uh, what was the other one? South Morang, Mernda. That's a, that's a crunch game for South Morang. I mean, it's, Mernda it's picks huge. a couple of results, and, and South Morang, that's one they need to win. We talked about Thomastown previously in, in, in Division 2 when they had that close loss to Banyul and then followed it with two other losses which compounded that, that disappointment of, of dropping the game to Banyul. Well, you hope that the same doesn't now happen to, to South Morang. Had the chance against Lorimer. You look at their, their next couple of weeks. They've got Munda t- this week. I mean, that would make that loss to Lorimer even worse if they don't pick up the points this week. They'd be expected to then beat Laylor but then take on Panton Hill and Kilmore the two weeks after that. So the next month is... is season-defining for South Morang, really, when you've got Moonda, Panton Hill and Kilmore all to play, but all those games are at home. So that's something that works massively in the Lions' favour. So huge weekend coming up. Um, obviously, Old Altham Caledon's returns back to the fold. They had the bye at the weekend, but they take on Reservoir at Altham College, as we say. Heidelberg West at home to Kilmore. Laylord travels to Lorimer and South Morang hosts Moonda. Massive weekend. Any final thoughts before we sign off for this week's edition of the NFL, NFL podcast? Well, on Division 3, another good chance for old Eltham to get a win with uh, a game against Reservoir, and they can do it at home as well and at Eltham College. And the might think the same as well. I mean, yeah. at the weekend, they, I mean, they're, they're trying their absolute best, and you, you can't fault their effort. Um, you know, we're competitive enough in, in some other games previously in the season. They might see this as, as one that they can finally break that long dr- losing drought that extends back to 2017. But... It has to be said that the Turtles will start favourite there. 
Uh, I'm just looking forward to a couple of these games coming up this weekend. Um, Bundura v Heidelberg looks like that'll be the radio game, so that's going to be a great one for Bundura to try and really prove themselves against another big team, and then Heidelberg likewise to stamp themselves as uh, as the main challenger to Greensboro. Greensboro v McLeod, speaking of which, I think will be a great game. I think McLeod are coming in with some really good form, so could be an upset potentially on the cards. I reckon if it's going to happen, it might be McLeod who get it done, but it is at War Memorial, which is always hard to get over, get over the slime there. Um, and then West Preston Lakeside could be on the charge too, so a couple in, in Divi 1, and, and we'll see Eltham. That'll be the pick of Division 2, I reckon. And looking at the forecast, 10 to 20 mils of rain expected on Saturday, <laughs> so batten down the hatches. Get the long studs out. Yeah, So and uh, and then of course plenty of women's action on the Sunday as well, where conditions well, looks to be drier, but the grounds might be chopped up already, unfortunately, from, yeah. from the Saturday's game. So thank you for joining us on the NFNL podcast. As we always say, you can listen to us each week on the NFNL website, also subscribe subscribe via the podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcast we appreciate your time and we look forward to you joining us again next week 